Well, hello, Illuminate Church, and if you're brand new to Illuminate Church, welcome to you as well. Another great opportunity to gather together online here at Illuminate Church. I love what the Lord is doing. We have our morning service there at the high school, the Sun Up Drive-In at 9 a.m., and then we get to join here at 10 a.m. online. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for engaging in this crazy season, whether you're here locally in the Central Florida region or you're watching from New Jersey or Michigan or places in between. We welcome you. If you are brand new, please, uh, at some point today, before you shut off the computer, head to illuminate.church slash connect. And there's a form there for you to fill out so that we can begin uh, having a relationship together uh, here at Illuminate Church. We love for you to join our mission of helping people find abundant life in Jesus Christ. Uh, and while you're doing some clerical stuff, all of you, please take a moment right now to share this video, to subscribe, to hit like. All these things matter a ton when you're talking about social media analytics. It helps us get the message to more and more people. And that's what we're here to do, to get this great message of hope out to the world. So you can help us very much by hitting like, subscribe, share. All of those things help more than you could ever Imagine, we'll find out when we get to heaven, how one share on Facebook led to somebody watching this in Poland, and all of a sudden they have hope and life because of Jesus. So please do that, take a moment. Uh, we're here today uh, in our second week of a series called Getting Off Track. We don't wanna end up back in the same place where we're at right now. We don't wanna come back here again, all this season that we're living in. So let's choose not to get back on the same track, to have the same mindset that keeps leading us to these same places. To do so, I introduced a new term, not a new term, a new twist, a new understanding of an old term called repentance. Everyone say repentance. Excellent. Uh, if you're out there, hit the like button or uh, just let me know that you said repentance. I want to hear you. Excellent. That's everyone's favorite word, but repentance really means just to change our minds, to have the Lord reframe the way that we think about anything. And when we change our mind about that particular thing, it changes our perspective and eventually changes our behaviors, changes our spirit, changes the way that we feel and process what we're seeing around us. In other words, repentance leads to freedom. What could be better than that? Here's our key verse for this entire series. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up to Romans chapter 12. Romans is in the New Testament, so flip to the right in your Bible, and eventually you're going to run into Romans. And in the 12th chapter, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Apostle just means church planner. Paul helped begin the church way back when. Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't stay on this track, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, changing your mind. That's repentance. Then once you've done that, once you've walked through repentance, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're getting off the track that leads us down to some broken places, and we're getting on this new track that's called God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And to do that means we need to change our mind. Today, I want to talk about changing our mind, repenting around the idea, the destination that this track has led us to in this season called disappointment. Wah, wah, 
Wow, right? <laughs> Here's a terrible phrase that often leads to disappointment. Rain out. You ever had something rained out? It's the worst thing, man. You've been excited for so long to do this certain thing, and then the day arrives, and here comes the weather. Some of you have events in this season that have been COVIDed out, right? We had intended to do this, but now we had to change or cancel or whatever because of COVID. Uh, my dad's best friend happens to have tickets to one of the most hard to get into sporting events on the earth. It's called the Masters. It's a golf tournament held in Augusta, Georgia every year. It is incredible. The place is like a sanctuary to golf. I know that may sound sacrilegious, but please just understand what I'm trying to say. It's just a beautiful, wonderful, awesome place to go and watch the best golfers from around the world compete. And it's very hard to get tickets. Well, my dad's best friend happens to have tickets every year. And way back when he first got the tickets, I had the chance to go. I was so excited. I'm thrilled. I woke up before the sun was up, got in my car, began driving, stopped at the 7-Eleven, bought a bag of donuts and some uh, water and started going, don't judge me. And I was driving, 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 just some road trip munchies and driving, driving, driving. This is before we had smartphones. So I had a cell phone, but it wasn't smart. It was a dumb phone. And I, I, I wasn't able to check like a weather app. And the closer that I'm getting to Augusta, I'm noticing the clouds aren't so good. I'm driving to go watch the Masters that day. I was supposed to go in Thursday. That's my day to go in. That's the day that I get to use the tickets. And as I got closer to Augusta, I finally turned on the radio. And the guy said, the Masters has been canceled for today. <laughs> I'd driven all that way, eating all those unhealthy donuts. And I was totally disappointed. Man, you know that feeling. I had such great expectation. And then, bam. My son, Owen, our son, Christine and I, me, Christine and us, we who, we have a son named Owen. He just graduated high school. He was a senior in the COVID times. And talk about expectations not being met. High school prom, high school graduation, those last few weeks in school where you're kind of done, but you're there and you're just like the king of the school or the queen of the school. And it's just like, I made it. I climbed this mountain. And what about senior pranks? I mean, all of these things weren't able to happen as normal. And so we were disappointed and especially Owen was disappointed. Here's the official definition of disappointment. Dis disappointment is the feeling of grief, anger, or sadness, or some others that you can add to that, that arises when what you expected doesn't equal what you actually received. So here's the deal. I'm not here to tell you to never be disappointed. It's going to happen. Man, that hurts. That stinks. I thought this, but then this happened. What I am here to tell you today is to not marry the spirit of disappointment, to not marinate on the spirit of disappointment, to ingest it into your body to the extent that it becomes a part of who you are. Because over time, a feeling, any feeling, but today we're talking about disappointment, a feeling becomes a lifestyle. It becomes the way that we frame everything. We start expecting things to turn out poorly and we develop what's called the victim mentality. The victim, I'm a victim. Something bad is going to happen to me or something bad is always happening to me. Things never go this, uh, things never go my way. Why does this always happen to me? Eventually, if you marinate in this idea of disappointment, the spirit of disappointment, you will start to live expecting people or even expecting God to fail you. 
you will start to learn to distrust people and to distrust God, and therefore relationships become strained. In the end, we can find ourselves living with what's called bitterness. I'm just so disappointed. This didn't turn out the way, and all of a sudden, I'm just bitter in my spirit. And bitterness tinges, colors, everything. It's like taking a cup of salt and dumping it on top of your waffles. Something so sweet and great ruined by bitterness. Well, this season that we are currently living in is begging for us to give in to disappointment, begging us to surrender and yield into frustration and sadness and nothing's going the way I want. Kids can't be in school like I want. Masks aren't the way that I want to live. And I feel restricted. I'm so disappointed that we are teetering on giving in to the spirit of disappointment. But today I want to tell you, I've got good news. We are getting off of that track So have no fear, take up some hope in your spirit and follow along with me. To do so today, we're going to look at what may be uh, one of those hallmark biblical stories, just an incredible story that's in the biblical record where in this story, disappointment could have easily been the route that was chosen by the people in the story, but it wasn't what they chose. And I want to learn from their example from this marvelous biblical story. And I want to tell you, this is not a fable. This actually occurred. It's a historically recorded story. It comes to us in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Genesis means the beginning of things. And you want to turn in Genesis to the 22nd chapter. So I see you there on your couch. You're sitting there in your car. You're watching this. I hope you're not driving. Uh, Just take out the Bible and open it up to Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read 14 verses, which is a little long, but it's a great story. So follow along. And I'll explain some things in here when we get to the end. So if you get lost, just hang in there. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Remember that name. He said to to him, Abraham, and here I am, replied Abraham. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. (laughs) (laughs) take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him there on the mountain I will show you. Woo! Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But... (laughs) 
The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Thanks be to God for his word. Now, if you're brand new to church, maybe this is the first time you stumbled online to hear us. Abraham was a man that God chose to build a nation from. And the reason God wanted to build a nation uh, on the earth was so that the whole world could know who God was, could know about his statutes, the way to live, the way to, to love, and the way to serve one another. This nation was meant to be a blessing to all nations. It was the nation that still is the nation of Israel, the Israelites. And Abraham was the first one who was supposed to be called to build this nation. So how did that happen? Well, the first thing that happened was God called Abraham from his home. And not just his house, but from his home country. The home country was named Ur. That's a funny name, but that's what it was. Ur. Go Ur. But here's the deal. God didn't say, hey, go move down the street. Go even to another city. Leave your entire nation behind and go to a land that I will not reveal to you just yet. Abraham could have been disappointed, like, man, I like my house. I like my creature comforts. I, I like all these people around me. But instead, Abraham went. And here's a special note. This wasn't like Abraham was graduating high school and going off to college, and it was he's like 18, 19, 20. It wasn't like he was getting his first job in that 20 to 30 range. It wasn't even like he was having a midlife crisis like he's 40 or 50. Instead, Abraham has lived in his homeland for 70 years. Abraham is a senior citizen. It's time to retire and chill out. And God comes to him and says, hey, I need you to go to another place that I will show you. And Abraham could have been disappointed, but Abraham went. That's when he was 70. Now, five years later, the Lord makes him a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And that son is going to be the one who is the father of this nation and you're going to continue the lineage and he's going to bless all nations. And your, your offspring through this son will be more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. And uh, Abraham could have been disappointed. You want to know why? Because he's now 75 and he's never been able to have a son. <laughs> Imagine that. 75 years, I've not been able to have a kid and now I can have a kid? I can't even play outside with them. I'm too old. We can't play kick the can. We're going to play kick the cane. I mean, he's old. He could have been disappointed, yet he kept trusting God. Fast forward in the story, a long way. 25 years later, 25 years of possible disappointment, Isaac finally has the promised son at age one. Sarah, his wife, bears him a son named Isaac. <laughs> Praise God. Abraham had waited 100 years for his own true son to be born. And then God says to him this a few years later. Obviously, Isaac is able to speak and of age at this point and says, Hey, that child, your one and only child, the one that you love, 
sacrifice him to me. Wow. I mean, in the history of all creation, of all things disappointment, this has got to rank up there in the top five, right? I mean, it's way worse than a rain out. It's even worse than missing high school graduation, although that was a big deal. This is importantly big time, could be disappointment, but that's not what happens in this story. Abraham never goes the route of disappointment, never goes the route of being a victim. Woe is me. Look at all these terrible things. Instead, he trusts God and alters the course of human history. Let's learn from Abraham's example of how we might navigate potential disappointments in our own life. Three things. Number one, the first is this. Fill the expectation reality gap with trust instead of suspicion. This is crucial to so many aspects of life. When our reality doesn't meet our expectations, whoop, a gap is formed. Whoop, whoop, whoop. This is the gap, reality, expectations. I thought this was going to happen. This is what happened. And now I have this gap. How we handle this gap right here ends up having so many consequences in our lives. Let's say that you and I are already going uh, to have a meeting. And uh, I'm there. I'm ready. The time comes for you to show up and you don't show up. Now, I could say to myself, wow, you are lazy. Wow, I can't believe that this meeting wasn't important to you. Wow, I can't believe that I'm not important enough for you to show up on time. Uh, I expected you to be here now and you showed up at some other time. This gap is formed and I went ahead and filled that gap with suspicion. I believed the worst in you. I was disappointed because of it. Or I could have filled the gap with trust and said, wow, I wonder if they're okay. I hope they don't have a flat tire. I hope they're feeling all right. I believe the best in this person, so there must be a good reason that they're not here yet. I filled the gap with trust, and therefore, I'm not filled with disappointment. Like, where are they? Instead, I'm filled with concern and love. Whatever's happened, we will figure it out. It's a big difference. With Abraham, right after verse 2 here in the scriptures, a gap is formed. Wait, wait. God, you said my son would bless all nations and I would have an inheritance, a lineage from this son. And now you want me to sacrifice him? I expected this. And here's the reality. I expected to have thousands of children born from Isaac, the, the family tree. But now you want me to sacrifice him. That could be a gap. But instead of filling the gap with suspicion, saying, woe is me, believing the worst about God, Abraham filled the gap with trust. He filled the gap with trust by what he did. <laughs> Verse three says, early the next morning, Abraham got busy doing what God asked him to do. He didn't wallow. He didn't consider it for a long time and try to think his way out of it, rationalize. Instead, he obeyed God because he trusted God. He filled the gap with trust by not only what he did, but also by what he said. In verse five, speaking to the servants, Abraham says, you guys stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then note this, maybe you've seen this before, it's fantastic to read. Then we will come back to you. 
we're gonna go over there. I'm supposed to sacrifice my son and in humanity thinking and disappointment thinking, filling the gap with suspicion thinking, I'm gonna come back here alone because I'm gonna have to kill my kid. But in trusting God and expecting God to do what God does, Abraham says, no, 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 we're gonna go over there and we are going to come back to you. Let me ask you a question. And maybe you don't know our family. We have five of us in our family, Tim, Christine, Owen, Audrey, Eli. We say it in a different order. We say Tim, Audrey, Christine, Owen, Eli, because that spells taco. The E is silent, but our Eli is never silent. Anyway, um, can you imagine our family, the Ingram family, without Audrey? I certainly can't. It's It'd be crazy to think of our family without Audrey, but that nearly happened. Let me explain. After we had Owen, he was our firstborn. He's now 18. So this is a long time ago. Uh, Sometime later, a year or two later, we got pregnant again. But God knew that there was something wrong with that fetus, that that child would have been born with some sort of life complicating, non-sustaining life complications that the baby would not have lived. And so by his grace to us, That baby, instead of having to go through that, went immediately from the womb straight to heaven. It was a miscarriage. And while at the moment it was very disappointing, we did not allow that disappointment to take root in us and become bitterness. We trusted God, that he knew what he was doing. And because of it, because we trusted him, we didn't throw up the victim mentality and God's not faithful and he's, he's bad to us. Instead, we got pregnant again in faith shortly thereafter and Audrey was born. Now, if that second child had been born, we would have loved that child and embraced that child. Of course, we do love that child. He's our child or she, I, hey, the Lord knows. But we never would have had Audrey brilliant, bright, beautiful, hilarious, creative Audrey, full of so much joy, who brings so much pride to our hearts. We never would have met her if we had had that other child. Woo, man, we could have gotten mad at God. We could have been disappointed for so long that we turned our hearts to stone. Instead, we trusted God, got pregnant again, and met our angel, Audrey. There was certainly a gap. Lord, we expected a child and something else happened. But as we trusted God, he filled the gap and gave us a gift. So in this season, if something's going on in you that your expectations haven't been met, maybe you're still furloughed. And maybe then you got furloughed again. And right now you're on furlough. My counsel to you is fill the gap with trust. Don't turn against God or be so disappointed that you become embittered. Maybe you've had incredible plans that have had to been put on hold or even scrapped altogether. My counsel to you is turn your heart to God and trust him. Fill the gap with trust and watch the Lord radically change the outcomes. The second thing is this, evaluate if your expectation was right in the first place. Evaluate if your expectation was right in the first place. If you're expecting something that God is not expecting, then expect to be disappointed. (laughs) That's fun to say. If you're expecting something God is not expecting, then expect to be disappointed. Like we just up and order a plate full of yuck. 
into our spirit when we made an unrealistic or an unholy expectation and said, this is gonna happen. We've set ourselves up for failure and disappointment. You need to evaluate if your expectation was right in the first place. And to do so, we need to focus on the key word here, right. Everyone say, right. I heard you. Praise God. Disappointment has at its root unmet expectations. We've talked about that. And an unmet expectation is really an unmet desire. Something we have desired, something we expected hasn't come to pass. Well, desires have at their root, check this out, our ego. They're very self-centeredly focused. Even our best attempts to be altruistic at its very subconscious least still has some sort of positive feedback to us. It's what we desired. I desired to do good. I desired to help. I desired to serve. I wanted this outcome. In the end, it's about what do I want? What do I conceive as best to happen? So overall, disappointment happens when I don't get what I want. That's disappointment in a nutshell. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me read it in the negative. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will not be disappointed. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is hungering and thirsting for right things, for godly things, not necessarily the things that I want, but the things that God wants. Come on. For those of you that may be married out there, let me ask a question. Did you ever break up with or have somebody break up with you that you thought for sure was the one and you went through that disappointment? Man, I thought this was the one. And you go through that season of just hurting the breakup and all that stuff. Well, God's expectation might've been, no, 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 no. I have someone for you that is much, much better. You're expecting life and happiness with this person, but I have in mind this relationship and this person. Woo, come on. For me, I was at the University of Florida and uh, I was finishing up a degree in rehabilitation counseling. Basically, I can listen really well. That's what counseling is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to dismiss it. It's an incredible field. Um, but when I got to the end of rehabilitation counseling, my thought, my expectation was to go into occupational therapy school. It's a kind of, there's physical therapy and occupational therapy. I wanted to be an OT. That's what I wanted to do. Now, mind you, I've been a Christian now for about five, maybe about seven or eight years when this happened. Did I pray about this decision to go to OT school at all? Never. Not once that I asked the Lord, what do you want for my life? No, I was sitting there in my ego, making my expectations and my desires clear to all. I want to get into OT school after graduation and I'm going to do it. And my expectation was this, I'm going to make it into OT school. I'm awesome. I've got great grades. I've done all these things and certainly they're going to accept me. <laughs> you can guess where this is headed. I did not make it into OT school. And while I'm not getting into OT school, it never occurred to me what God was doing. At the University of Florida, I was the leader my junior year of the Campus Crusade for Christ organization on campus. At the same time, I was the leader of the United Methodist Wesley Foundation there at UF. I was leading both of these massive student organizations working in ministry, charged up by it, but it never occurred to me 
that God might have another track for me in mind. Come on, what was wrong with me? Well, as of this week, actually on August 21st, it will be 25 years that I've been serving in ministry because God had me repent. I recognized once I didn't get into OT school that I need to seek the Lord and pray, God, what do you have for me in my life? And he opened the door to student ministry and that was 12 years and then went over to the crossing for five years and then now planting Illuminate Church here and uh, this marvelous season together, 25 years of ministry because I didn't get what I wanted. Thanks be to God. What I wanted wasn't right because it wasn't righteous, because it wasn't what God wanted, and therefore I was not satisfied. But when God gave me his expectation and I hungered and thirst for what was right, I was satisfied. To this day, I love my job. I go to work every day and it never feels like work. It feels like calling life and ministry. Praise the Lord. So what does freedom look like in this area? It looks like repentance. It looks like changing our minds from what we want into what God wants. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, the psalmist writes. You may remember these words from Psalm 23. I don't want, I don't lack for anything. I don't have unmet expectations because I'm letting the Lord lead me just as Abraham did. Abraham wasn't disappointed about God's command to sacrifice his son because... We can conclude from what we read here that Abraham's expectations were that Isaac belonged to God and not to him, and that God would use Isaac for greatness. All Abraham Abraham had to do was just obey and see God work, and boy, did he work. The work that he did in Abraham exists to this day, thousands of years later. We are the recipients of Abraham's obedience. Isaac is related to Jesus. It's part of the lineage. It's all because Abraham obeyed and wasn't disappointed. Here's the third thing, the last thing. When you trust God to provide, your expectations will be met. You can count on it. Abraham had a right expectation in the first place, and so he never got disappointed. Isaac begins to ask all about their supplies, and he's like, hey, we got the the fire and the wood, everything's here. The only thing that's missing is the sacrifice. Where is it? And Abraham replies to him in verse 8, says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Later in verse 14, Abraham names a place the Lord will provide because that's exactly what happens when the ram appears in the thicket. It's one of God's names, which makes it a promise. The Lord will provide. It's a name of God. And God's names are promises because they assert to us his divine character. In this case, the Lord provides. The name is Jehovah Jireh. You want to say it, don't you? Jehovah Jireh. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor, say Jehovah Jireh. If you're by yourself, say it to me. Jehovah Jireh. Somebody type it in the comments. Jehovah Jireh. My provider, his grace is sufficient for me. When your expectations come from God, you can fully expect the provision to coincide with the vision. Can I say that again? When your expectations come from God, you can fully expect the provision to coincide with the vision. There's always provision for the vision that God gives, God gives. Not that we want, not that drives out of my ego, but in the righteous uh, will of God. 
when we started the church, we started uh, 400 weeks ago, roughly. That's a long time when we started Illuminate Church. And when we started the church, um, just as the guy sitting in the seat of leadership and people working for the church and their livelihoods depending on the church, my livelihood depending on the church, that's what I thought at least, it really depends on God. But um, I was concerned about the finances. How are we gonna pay people? How are we gonna pay for rent? How are we gonna eat? And how are we gonna live? And uh, I want you to know I worried about the finances for two weeks. Out of 400 weeks that we've existed at a church, I worried for two weeks and it was only the first two weeks. It took about two weeks for for me to realize what Abraham already knew. If God says, I call you to do this, then I'm gonna provide for you to do it. And after two weeks, and fr- so the, the last 398 weeks, I have not been worried about money. Even in this COVID season with the economic downturn and our giving softening, we have not been worried at all because he is Jehovah Jireh. I'm not disappointed because my expectation is that the Lord will provide and he has. And so he will for you. Man, in this season, if our expectations is for everything to go back to normal and we can live a life as it was before, then we may find ourselves disappointed and living in scarcity. However, if our expectations can align with God's, that he is shaking the church to reform it into an actual disciple-making factory, then whatever COVID presents, whatever's going on in politics, whatever uprisings are happening in the streets where there's violence and people are just so angry and volatile, no matter what, we will not be disappointed. We will walk with satisfaction, knowing that we have served our King, brought hope to the downtrodden and taken light into the darkness. This entire message that I preached today came to me in a dream. And it wasn't really a picture dream. It was more like the word the Lord was speaking to me and I woke up thinking these words. I happened to be in Dallas, Texas just a few weeks ago and I was uh, performing a wedding for my cousin. Hello, Emily and Tyler. Hope your wedding days are going awesome. But I was there sleeping in Dallas and all of a sudden I'm getting these thoughts and I wake up and I immediately take out my phone and type in this message. It's short but it summarizes everything here. This is what the Lord said. Tell them they will never be disappointed in me. Think about that. A lot of people have let us down. You've probably let yourself down. There's a lot of reason to be disappointed in that person in this circumstance or whatever, but you will never be disappointed in me, says the Lord. And then he echoed the in me. It's not just that we won't be disappointed in the person of God, but we won't be disappointed when we remain in God. You won't be disappointed in me. So when your life aligns with him, when you're walking in prayer, when you're walking with other believers, when you're opening his word and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, you are remaining in him. And in that spot, you will not be disappointed. You will not marry the spirit of disappointment. You will not take up the root of bitterness and take on the victim mentality, but instead you will live as a victorious son or daughter of the King to the glory of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that in you is true satisfaction. 
Every desire that we could ever long for is consummated in you. You are good. You have abundance. You never fail. You never forsake. And so, God, we praise you and we thank you and we change our minds. Lord, we do not live in a land of scarcity. We live in abundance as we follow you. We will not be disappointed as we set our expectations next to yours, that we give away, push down our ego and our own expectations and take on the righteous expectations of your good, perfect, and pleasing will. Lord, I pray for everyone out there who's hurting. Maybe you are disappointed. Maybe you're frustrated to the end of yourself. And I pray a refreshing in your spirit that God would come and minister to your heart and revive you as you change your mind. This season is good because God is good. This season is great because God is great. In the name of our King, Jesus Christ, amen.